Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with the Allegro Non Tropo, Mike Opelka, and beans. What does that actually mean? It's um, an Italian idiom, I believe, meaning happy but not too happy. They use it in reference to music. Oh. When the notation on the score says Allegro Non Tropo, it means play it light but not too light. So happy but not too happy. Got it. Okay. Well, we had a nice discussion in the pre-show about that. So if anybody wants to know, they can go to local uh, uncoverdc.locals.com and find out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Tracy dragged me on my funk. I did. You did. At least Kicking for now. Screaming, but I'm, I'm out my funk right now. <laughs> I get kudos. So we have a lot to talk about today. I know you have a bunch on your list, too, even though I haven't seen your list in quotes yet. But I know you do. I do. I do. And um, I, should we start with all this detail work first or you want where do you I'll save my stuff till the end. I, uh, I do. I yeah. To you, because there were notices about Sussman and and about uh, the, the investigation and the Clinton uh, joint venture. And I'm, I fully admit my brain was tired this weekend. And I was going, I'll let Tracy tell me. <laughs> I want to do it. I want to do this is getting very interesting. And it's it's not. It's like uh, some of it's positive, some of it's negative, and we'll get into all of it. So first, what I want to do is just a great big roundup really quickly, not long, about what this whole case is about, just so that everybody's very clear. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Sussman had a meeting with the FBI in 2016 in September, where he told them that he was coming on behalf of no one, but on his own volition, with information about Donald Trump and Russia meaning the Alpha Bank server stuff that we've been talking about for months now. Sure. Okay. He is indicted by John Durham for materially lying to the FBI. And Durham says, you lied to the FBI when you said you were there on behalf of nobody. And because you lied about that, the FBI took steps it wouldn't have had to take If you had told them the truth, i.e., hey, the FBI was just doing its job investigating this allegation that you brought forth because they didn't realize you were doing it on behalf of a political campaign. That's the crux of it. Yeah. So we've gone all this way. We've gone back and forth. We've gone through motions to dismiss. Last week, we talked about how the Clinton campaign, the, the DNC, Perkins Coy, Fusion GPS were all trying to stop the judge from looking at documents that Durham says are not privileged, but these people say are. The judge yeah. decided he's going to review those documents to make sure that they actually are privileged and they're not just hiding under privilege. So didn't he do that on camera or something already? So in camera means in, in his office without anyone else around. Okay. So like it wasn't for public consumption. It was just, and I don't know if he's looked at them yet. It was just so that he could know whether or not these guys were actually telling the truth or whether or not this stuff is just being hidden behind the guise of privilege. Well, can I ask why, why wouldn't the judge just do that? If somebody goes, Hey, your honor, uh, we can't have this material out there. It's privileged. And, and why wouldn't he say, all right, let me look at it and then make a decision. Why all the theater? Because the whole point of privilege is so that people can have confidential, completely confidential discussions with their attorneys and not worry about judges looking at them. Okay. So like if you wanted to talk to your lawyer about what you did in a crime, 
as part of your defense. And then somebody comes along and says, well, you don't get this privileged any privilege anymore. We're going to look at it and see if we think it's privilege. Do you see where that might be a problem for somebody trying to mount a, a defense? Yes, I do. So that's why it's such a big deal. And that's why these guys thought that putting everything under privilege would alleviate them of the problem of anyone ever looking at their conspiracy. So Perkins Coy argues that its communications with Fusion GPS are privileged because they hired Fusion GPS as a consultant for them to give them legal advice about whether things were defamatory. All right. Just that in and of itself is enough to make someone laugh. So Durham has like said, well, that's not true. Here's why. Look, 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 look. We need to take a peek at this stuff because in they, you know, when lawyers are responding to subpoena or demands for information or whatever, they'll give a log of things that they're handing over and and they'll they'll give a privilege log that says this is privilege, this is privilege. And so you have some idea of who the to and from is, but you don't know the context of it. It's like all those redaction emails that we see. We see who who it's going to and who it's coming from, but then it's just black line, black line, black line. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So now now the judge has said, you know what? Yeah, I think given the circumstances that you guys have all presented, I think I should look at these and make sure that they're actually privileged and that these people aren't trying to just hide stuff to cover their tails. And and so we were all like, yeah, score, win. Yeah. So then... They start filing, both sides start filing their exhibit lists and what they're going to offer into evidence. So Durham says, here's the list of things that I'm going to offer into evidence to support my case. And Sussman says, here's the list of things that I'm going to enter in. And then each one of them get to pick through the other person's list and take the and take objection to certain things or not. And so both Durham filed objections to some assessment stuff and Sussman filed objections to some of Durham stuff. And that happens. Now we're going to go over what was coming out of that in a second. But in the interim from when that happened, I think on Friday and then Friday evening, when the judge put down his order, the one that you're talking about with the Clinton campaign and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The judge like Epoch Times took that story or took that order and spun it in a way that was very misleading, which I'm stunned about because they don't typically do that. How so? How, how did they mislead me? Because they're basically saying, oh, the Clinton campaign got a pass. But that's not true. That's not true at all. That, that was the story about the, quote, joint venture, close quote. Yes. So so without getting into because I want to get into detail on something else without getting into ridiculous detail on that, the judge granted every basically everything else and part of the motion where they wanted to admit that evidence about the Clinton campaign and then said, you you can admit this evidence if certain things happen during the trial. But as of right now, I'm denying it because we haven't hit that threshold yet. It was actually a very fair ruling, in my opinion. Um, He's basically saying there's no need to put this stuff in because you know, Durham didn't charge a conspiracy between these people, right? He didn't. He didn't charge anyone with conspiracy, but he's going about trying to expose a conspiracy without charging it using the Sussman 1001 lying charge as a guise. And the judge is saying we're here to very narrowly concentrate on Sussman lying to the FBI, not on who is conspiring with who to do what. It's not charged. Not but even. Th- 
but that doesn't preclude future charges if that information leads us to that collusion. No, it doesn't. It's just saying in this case, in this in this trial. Yeah, it's not it's it has nothing to do with what you're trying to prove. But if for some reason throughout the course of your presentation, it becomes obvious that that will be necessary, then I'll allow it. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. It's essentially saying some of this could be privileged, but if we find out it's necessary to continue the direction that the trial is going, we will uh, stomp on the privilege and make it available. Okay, so quick correction. This stuff has nothing to do with privilege. This is just evidence that Durham has. So not the privilege stuff, which Durham hasn't seen yet either. He doesn't even know what's under there. He's waiting for the judge to look at it. Okay. This is ev- actual evidence that they have in their possession that is not privileged that they want to offer up a trial. And the judge saying, no, this isn't really relevant to the 1001 charge. But if you guys go down a line of questioning that makes it necessary, then you can put it in. Okay. There we go. So there's that. So now to my next thing. And I already know that there are people who are jumping all over me. Um, like your Madison Cawthorn at a frat party. Yes. Because they don't like whenever anybody says that Durham may not be doing exactly what everybody hopes and dreams. Like, they get upset with me when I just tell it like it is. So you're just reporting what's going on and people are mad at you because what's happening in their brains isn't happening in real life. Pretty much. Like, oh, it's a big plan, you'll see. And I'm like, um, maybe. I don't I don't know. Anyway, Sussman came back last night and he objected to Durham objecting to one of his pieces of evidence. (laughs) Okay. So he said, Durham said he shouldn't be allowed to put this into the record to, to defend himself. And Sussman said, Hey, hold on a second. Yes, I should. And here's why. And this is what it was. It was handwritten notes that Andrew McCabe took at a March 3rd, 2017 meeting with all of the higher ups at the DOJ and FBI. And in those handwritten notes, Andrew McCabe says that Sussman brought the Alpha Bank stuff on behalf of a client. Hmm. And now, not on behalf of himself. Yes. Okay. So Durham is saying you can't put that in. There were six months between the initial contact you had with the FBI and that meeting. Therefore, this is, first of all, hearsay. And second of all, shouldn't be admissible because there were six months between when you you initially contacted them and these notes were taken, right? However, there's a couple problems with this. Number one, these notes were given to Sussman in a 20,000 document dump, for lack of a better word, of what the special counsel is required to provide, a.k.a. Brady material. And Brady material is material that the government considers exculpatory to the person being charged. Okay. So Durham's team handed this to Sussman knowing that it was exculpatory to him. That's number one. Number two, before we get into the details here, which I will put yourself in Sussman's shoes. Like, let's pretend as hard as it is that we're on Team Sussman right now. Okay, I've never been on Team Sussman. This will be a new experience for me. So substitute one of our heroes in as Sussman and turn the tables in your mind for a second. Okay, I'm I'm capable. Okay, be following the case and then have this filing go out where Team Hero says, hey, hold on a second. The FBI clearly knows 
that this is brought on behalf of an uh, opposing, you know, a client. Yeah. Not just an innocent, interested citizen. Yes. How could how could you be charging him with this 1001 violation if the FBI knew that it was not coming directly from him? Do you see where that wrench may go in to a to a prosecution at that point? Oh, yeah. So. So there's a couple different problems with this. Number one, it feels gross that Durham clearly knows that the FBI is in on this crap and is still seemingly supporting the FBI by the one thousand by the mere existence of the one thousand and one charge. Well, it doesn't doesn't he have to? Isn't he kind of I, I know what you're saying, but doesn't he kind of have to? Why? Well, because he may need them later. Explain in more detail. Well, I'm just saying you might need the FBI's cooperation down the road in any further or future charges or persecutions, prosecution, persecutions. <laughs> I might have said something. Uh, something just slipped out. Ms. <laughs> But uh, isn't that kind of where that could be considered? Doesn't he? He might need to be a little bit of a politician here. Look, the way I look at it is this. This was the biggest coup attempt in modern history. And you're supposed to be prosecuting it. And if you give people that were clearly involved a pass, you're not doing Lady Justice any any favors. Like, how do you allow this to happen without, you know, they've been blaming everyone else for the FBI, but not the FBI itself. Like when there's ample evidence in the public sphere that the FBI knew exactly what they were doing and did it anyway. Between Flynn, Page, lying on FISA reports, we could go through the litany of things and how they were involved. And, you know, you could argue, well, they're cooperating. We don't know that. You could argue, well, he's saving the big fish for last. You don't know that. I'm looking at what I have in front of me on the record. And I see Durham making excuses for the FBI because Sussman lied, all while handing Sussman exculpatory evidence granted for months later that shows that the FBI and the DOJ knew that Sussman had brought the information on behalf of a client. When he told him or them, or if they knew from the beginning and the, you know, they were trying to hide it. I don't know yet, but Durham doesn't want Sussman to be able to put that on the record in his case. And Sussman saying it's clearly something that should be able to be put on the record. And if you were someone trying to defend yourself and you think that you're not guilty of this lying because you, you know, you didn't do the offense charge, their whole entire case seems to hinge on this one text message to, to Jim, to James Baker where Sussman says, I have information on behalf of nobody, right? Yeah. So that all being said, in this filing, Sussman gives us more detail. Like, Baker is going to be one of the witnesses that Durham calls to the stand. And so is Priestap, and so is Trisha Anderson, who's a, you know, a former FBI attorney or whatever. And so Baker, for the whole time, was like, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember. And the FBI is like, well, let me, I'm sorry, Durham's like, let me refresh your memory. Here, look at all these things. But doesn't show him the, the, the notes from the meeting he was at where McCabe said, hey, by the way, um, you know, he came on behalf of somebody. So like they purposefully didn't show him, though. You see what I'm saying? 
Oh, yeah. But uh, the, well, now, contemporaneous notes, which those are what McCabe's notes are, are called, uh, have been given legitimacy in the past. Have they not? Yes, several times. And there's not just one person's notes. They have a couple of different people at the meeting's notes. And they talked okay. about all kinds of things at those at the meeting, which is another thing that I'm looking at now because there's eight pages worth of chicken scratch that I have to decode. And I'm looking at it and I'm seeing stuff like about how there's no crime with Flynn, but we're going to try one more thing. <laughs> like, so Durham's protecting that as of right now. Now, Cash Patel, I keep saying this, will disagree with me. I'm fine with that. He probably knows way more than I do. I'm just looking at what is on the record at this point in time. And if I were a prosecutor and that filing came out last night, I would be a little bit perturbed and a little bit worried. And that doesn't mean that I'm saying Durham's throwing in the towel and nothing's ever going to happen. It just means if I were at this juncture in the case and I were a judge looking at that, Durham's arguments for it not being allowed are valid. But Sussman's argument like, hey, guys, Baker is the reason for all of this because he's the one saying that I never told him it was on behalf of a client and I argue differently. So Sussman's whole case is that he told them. And the FBI is saying, I mean, the DOJ is saying, no, you didn't. You didn't tell them. We have this text message from you. But now all of a sudden we have these notes and everybody knew. So if you're a defendant, how are you supposed to feel right now? Anyway. Yes. Does this make sense? Did I do okay? Yes, you did great. But my my question is, where does the next trap door come from? Where, where we're going to have, I know there's a trap door that's waiting to open. Well, some people are in the comments thread saying, oh, this is how Durham is planning on getting the evidence out, that this is what they did, and he has to do it that way. Like, as a matter of fact, Brian Cates just did a post about this. Um, let's see. The judge has given Durham a lot of leeway to this point in alleging there was a broad conspiracy spanning multiple parties among whom Sussman is one. Cooper's pointing out for a single false statement charge. Durham's asking the court to compel testimony from people he claims are in a criminal conspiracy together so he can provide a motive for Sussman lying to Baker about representing clients. Judge Cooper knows the law that Durham doesn't even need to prove a motive if he has sufficient evidence that Sussman committed the crime he's charged with. It was always a question of just how far a broad Judge Cooper would let Durham go, building a very detailed and extensive criminal conspiracy case to nail one guy on a simple false statement charge. Now we know the ball is in Durham's court. It's up to him to actually charge somebody with participating in that criminal conspiracy. He just spent six months mapping out in his case filings if he wants to go after some Hillary, DNC, Perkins Coy fusion people for it. So that's the most pessimistic Brian Cates Durham post ever written in the history of time. Really? Yes, because he's like, Durham's got it all. He's going to take them all down. Nobody can convince me differently. <laughs> because it's true. The judge is saying, like, you're tr you're alleging this big conspiracy between all these people. And for the most part, the judge has been like, OK, OK, OK. But you're not charging that. You're not charging anyone with anything. You're just saying there's this big conspiracy between all these people. And I'm going to introduce all of this in this 1001 case, which all of us have been arguing is not the way you normally do it if you've got more, right? I mean, they're going right to the date of trial, Mike. So the next thing to drop would be the judge could be like, yeah, you can enter that. And Sussman walks and we get no conviction. Do you honestly feel that's the way this is going? 
I don't know because it is very technical. And I think the judge, given his past history, will rule that he can't admit that into evidence. But the point is that we know, Mike, we know now that they know that the FBI was in on it and they know. And to me, it feels kind of dirty. Chalk it up to me being too fair, I guess, to be continuing on with this while everybody else is seemingly skating And this guy's taking a 1001 on something that the FBI, at some point at least, clearly knew wasn't the case. They're charging him for something that it seems like he's innocent of. To me, it feels like they are trying, or Durham is trying to squeeze a little bit more to get a, a bigger fish, as you referenced earlier. And it seems like that was the initial intent. And maybe that balloon is running out of air now. It might be. The only thing that I find, again, one more little interesting point on this before we belabor it for too long. Um, The thing about it is this. Sussman takes pages to, like, excoriate Baker. So to me, it feels like he pulled a leverage card. Sussman did. And he's like, I'm not taking this. For all of you slimy f bags, I'm not going to be the only one sitting up here in a in a in a criminal trial. Well, you guys all get to testify for the prosecution against me when you were involved in the whole thing, and this is the first hint of that that we're seeing out of Sussman. So could you? So want, perhaps it's working. I don't know. Well, maybe because we're starting to see more and more of Sussman's def- uh, defense. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's been hidden for quite some time now. So the more you see the Sussman defense, you want to see hints of what Durham is going to do on offense. But I guess we're not seeing enough of that. Well, no, we're seeing it, but not enough action. Like, okay, you're spelling out how all of these people collaborated together. You're getting the judge. Perhaps the whole thing was to get the in-camera review, Mike. Perhaps the entire escapade was to get the judge to lift that privilege veil. Because remember, we, we talked about how the Durham prosecutor said not anymore in this case. But once they get the precedent of this privilege being waived and what's underneath there is not privilege, maybe that opens the door for other cases that they're playing. You know what I'm saying? So maybe the whole goal of this was that. I don't know. So you're this is chumming the waters for more charges from Durham, but we haven't seen any of that. Exactly. So it's all speculating at this point. What we do have in front of us is a very, very high powered and well-connected Democrat attorney arrested and charged with a criminal charge of lying to materially lying to the FBI. And the man who's being charged with that now finally saying, hold on a second. They knew and we should be allowed to show them that they knew because if a jury convicts me on this, I, you know, I, I want the opportunity to show them. And Durham saying, nope. You don't get to show them that they knew because they, quote, knew six months later and not when you initially came. So it's very confusing. And I'm I'm just waiting. That's all we can do is wait. Well, I'm dubious anything's going to happen as long as uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok had no penalty for what they did. I'm I'll be very surprised if anyone pays the price here. So Cash Patel last year, late last year, told Epoch Times in an interview that Lisa Page and Peter Strzok are cooperating with the special counsel and everybody keeps on bringing up Durham and how he took down the Whitey Bulger thing and blah, blah, blah. And yes, 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 he did that. 
But if he would have taken down the mastermind behind the Whitey Bulger thing, we would never have had the special counsel of 2016-17. He let him skate. Mueller didn't face any repercussions for any of that. So Hmm. just, you know, yes, he's done great things. He's known as a very nose to the grindstone, straightforward prosecutor who really will prosecute government corruption, except at the very high levels of government, which is what we saw in the last. And he did prosecute some CIA stuff. So he's done it, but he's never gone after the masterminds behind any of it. They are patsies he takes down. See, the, the, that's what irritates me because the old, the, all the theories have always been that you get the, the street level dealers and you make them talk about the, the big dealer who takes you to the supplier and then you take down the supplier. I, I, I'm not making any declarations. I want to make that very clear, Mike, because a lot of people are like, well, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? And I'm always like, I'm not necessarily here to give my opinion on what I think is going to happen. I'm more here to show you what is happening and have you reach a conclusion based on that. So I'm not necessarily, I don't know. I don't know what's happening behind the curtain. And anyone who tells you that they know what's happening behind the curtain, unless they're standing there themselves, is lying. They have assumptions about what's happening behind the curtain, but they have no factual basis for it other than their assumptions. I don't like being in the business of assumptions but I'll share my opinion on something very carefully. I don't really have one. It's not looking great for me right now, but I'm not closing the door on anything bombshell happening. So we'll see. All right. Fair enough. Very, very fair enough. And uh, I'm just dubious that anything is going to come of all of this. And I just wonder why do we spend all this time and money? Yeah, I know. I know. And you know, the worst part is like, I see the comments of people and people are like, Oh, this is just a trick to do this and trick to do that. And I'm like, guys, you can't explain everything away by some big 5d chessboard where things that you see with your two eyes are never, never what they really are. Right there. You like some people are constantly like, oh, well, this doesn't actually mean the wall is blue behind that blue paint is gray paint. That's hiding a message that says, no, maybe the wall is just blue. I don't know. I'm just saying. I understand. Like if you can, you can never take objective fact as objective fact. You're never going anywhere. You're going to be constantly spinning your wheels. So you're going to you're going to join me back in the angry zone, aren't you? Well, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so what do you got, Mike? Uh, I got, I got, my head hurts, my feet stink, and I don't love Jesus anymore. That's a Jimmy Buffett song. That's Pee-wee. not a duck. Not a duck. What are you saying? Pee-wee. Pee-wee? Pee-wee. You said your feet smell. I said pee-wee. Oh, pee-wee. No, <laughs> I, I you're going into, I, I, I was totally confused. Sorry. To, which is not new. That's not a new thing. Well, there's so many places to go today. There's so many directions we could head today. I, I, I'm i stunned and, and shocked, not that there's been nothing out of the White House about the protests at the homes of the Supreme Court justices and at the firebombing of a pro-life organization in Wisconsin. Uh, and, uh, and I say that that I'm not shocked because Joe Biden's handler was in Ukraine. Jill Biden went to Ukraine this weekend. I, I said this morning, Mike, um, I said like, oh, they're so worried about Russia attacking Ukraine that they're sending all kinds of our most important heads of state. And you, too, and the edge are doing freaking concerts for the people in the subway stations in Kiev. 
Yeah, is it wrong for me to say, how can Ukraine really be at war if Bono and the Edge are playing in the subway stop and, and the first lady is there meeting with the Ukrainian first lady? With flowers? I, I, with flowers. And is it that tough to get into Ukraine? What, what time is the next train to Kiev? I, I just can't believe that it's that easy to get into a war-torn country like this. And I, I'm stunned. But that, that was the reason why we didn't hear anything out of Joe because Jill was not there to hold him back. Ah, I see. Yeah, and it's funny how all of these leaders, quote, are on television calling for insurrection and nobody's doing anything about it, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it goes back to Maxine Waters. You know, uh, did I play that the other day? You get in their faces and you tell them that I'm welcome in this town. I don't like the whole gasoline station thing. What is she, like, how old are you, lady? She is 114. Oh, shoot. So. Yeah, she really is. But yeah, I, I just, uh, I am uh, absolutely stunned by that. I love the fact that Clarence Thomas came out and said the court will not be bullied. Yes. Uh, I think that at least it, it is Clarence Thomas's court, is it not? It is. And I, I, I want to make an aside when Mitch McConnell came out over the weekend and said, yeah, there's a chance that we could legislate abortion to be illegal. Now, to me, that's a stupid comment to make right now. And it almost is like he wants to lose. Was he not asked the question? He was, but it doesn't matter. He could have said it much differently. He could have said it'll be up to each state what they decide to do. And people will put representatives in place that represent their values. Well, I I agree with your analysis there, but he was asked the question and he gave an honest answer. But he should have added to it, but... What this is really doing is putting it in the hands of the states, which will then rely on the people to vote in the representatives who represent their interests. Yeah. And so the fact that Mitch McConnell being who he is and knowing that and knowing the 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 state of the electorate at this point basically inflamed the left more. But there is some um, there is some polling data that's starting to show that all of this is invigorating the GOP base which has been the pro-life base that has for years been kind of uh, calm, ambivalent about midterm elections. And there also is data that shows the majority of the pro-life people are women. And that is a demographic that needs to come out and vote its interests. So so there has been some saying that this will bolster a, a midterm support with um, with these women. So that could be a good thing. Maybe most women do not vote in midterm elections, especially not in midterm primaries. Well, if you're going to get these people involved, I almost said birthing persons <laughs> involved, uh, then this is an issue that will do that. And I guess this is a GOP gamble saying we realize it's going to inflame women, but we believe we've got the numbers on our side or the math will work out in our favor at the end. No, we'll find out. We'll find out. All What's I know is the 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 NRSC, I believe it's called, or the N, they're constantly sending me emails purportedly from President Trump scolding and absconding me and telling me I'm not a real American because I haven't donated. But Tr- Trump is not sending those emails. They're just using his name to send them. And like, they're basically like, what kind of a patriot do you think you are? Like, they're like the most... <laughs> Terrible marketing 
materials in the world that would not make anybody donate to them. It would make people hate them. And they're using President Trump's name to do it almost as though they want people to hate President Trump. So that's Mitch McConnell for you. I do give Mitch McConnell credit for one important thing. You're probably racking your brain right now going, what? That Merrick Garland is not on the Supreme Court. Um, yes. Okay. You got you to gotta give him You got to give the player credit for that. All right. Fine. Yeah. So that's that. Um, you, uh, I don't know if you saw this. I, I've been um, kind of monitoring the, the latest madness out of schools as it relates to gender and sexuality. Okay. Did you see the gender and sexuality art club story, the video? No. This is, and it's 22 minutes long, and there's no way in hell we're going to go through the whole 22 minutes of it. But it is a conservative talk show host talking to a mother of a 12-year-old girl and their recent um, transferees into this town. And the mother of the 12-year-old girl was surprised when her daughter texted her and said, hey, mom, I got invited to to go to an after-school art club meeting by my art teacher. And mom was like, well, my 12-year-old's new at the school. It's kind of tough to adjust to a new school. Uh, great. That's great. I'll, I'll, I'll get you after the meeting. Uh-huh. I'm scared. And it turns out it was um, not an art club meeting. It was the gender and sexuality club that the art teacher had arranged with a guest speaker who was trans. Oh, geez. Almost like and, these, these, these trans uh, shows that they're doing after school, like where they get dressed up in sexy like clothing, these men and tramps. Are, yeah, okay. Okay, well, I'll give you just a little bit of the infuriating, it's kind of be an infuriating appetizer that'll get you to check this out. They also taught my daughter in this program about Colorado House Bill 19-1120, which allows 12-year-olds to seek medical care without parent knowledge or consent. So they taught my daughter, now that she just turned 12, that she can seek medical care and not tell me. So puberty blockers hormones, potential mutilation. We don't know how far the teacher and this presenter would have pushed her down this path of confusion if she hadn't have had the bravery to come home and tell us what happened. Now, that statement alone got me to watch all 22 minutes. Where? And, uh, who is this that is interviewing her? Um, the gentleman's name, let me get this here. Uh, hold on. It's called the independenceinstitute.org. I don't know the guy's name, but it's on uh, Citizen Free Press. Okay. okay. And it is, it is stunning what she says because here's a, a new and vulnerable kid in the new school invited to the art club that turns out to be the gender and sexuality club where the guest speaker, who is not a licensed anything, tells the kids if you feel... Not uh, if you don't feel 100% certain or comfortable in your body, you're transgender. And then she pre- proceeds to hand out stickers and flags and, and patches to talk about whether you're LGBTQ or whatever. Reminds and- me of my daughter coming home last week from school and telling me that there were boys in her bathroom. Yeah, that, that has got to stop. Which we- it did. I called the, soup, the school board chair. 
and he got the superintendent and they went down to the school and they all met with the teacher. They had the general counsel there. They brought the students all in and said, if you don't want to use the boys bathroom, use the nurse's bathroom, stay out of the girls bathroom. I think that's great. That's great. I wish you would be in Oregon and would call the Oregon schools (laughs) that are now that are now mandating legally. It has to happen that the boys bathrooms in grammar schools and middle schools and high schools have to have tampons in the bathrooms. This is so ridiculous. Do you have any more clips from that interview? Uh, from the interview of the, of the, uh, the woman who talked about, uh, yeah. 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 Hang on one second. I just accidentally closed it while we were talking there. Hold on. Yeah, sure. Pull it right back up here. Golly Bob Howdy. Golly Uh, Bob Howdy. Yeah, indeed. Uh, while we're talking about that, uh, you have to love, um, the, um, the story, the book, which I'm trying to get the book to read, the Hunter Biden, um, the whistleblower, the guy that ran the Mac store, and oh, him talking. The, the, the password? Yes, Hunter's password. They also taught my daughter. Wait, Hunter's password. We can't, I can't even bring myself to say it, even here. Here, I'll give you a, a little more what this mother is talking about here. Okay. So I'll just randomly pick it up because it's, it's infuriating pretty much at every level. Oh. Wow, so I got it right. She knew what she was doing when she handed them out. All right, so hang on a second. She asked your daughter if she was comfortable in her body. She said, if you're not 100% comfortable in your female body, it's because you're transgender. Two things. One, what 12-year-old girl is 100% comfortable in her body? What girl is ever? Girl, girl is 90, you know, or just 2% comfortable. In no, this right. is a tough time for girls. And they know that. And they know it. And this is this is a rough time for middle school girls. And uh, issues of, of body image are yeah. at their height. Right. Especially. So that means anybody, any kid who doesn't like her fat thighs is now trans? Yes, they are, of course. That's the new standard by which the assistant secretary of health the um, the admiral Ugh. who came out of Philadelphia and the Pennsylvania system will be applying. Anyone who doesn't like their fat thighs is trans, and that's an order. There was a, a mental health professional from the UK who spoke out under the condition of anonymity about how she's seeing 60% of her young patients having gender identity issues now because that's they're taking... They're taking something normal that that kids go through when adolescents and making it some some terrible, terrible degeneracy. And they're making it special. They're telling these kids like this, this, um, this guest speaker at the art club meeting who handed out flags and stickers and patches. They're merchandising this and they're making it like, well, if you're just if you're just normal then uh, if you're just a regular girl or a regular boy and you're you don't get a sticker, then you're not special. And not and only you, you're not special, you're bad. Yeah. Your, your parents probably are evil people. So it, it really is depressing and angering to me to see this kind of thing. Uh, it's um, it's brand new, too. And it, it goes on for 20 minutes. I don't know why they aren't standing outside the school with pitchforks and torches. But I maintain this will bring back the same furor that caused Virginia to turn red last fall. A hundred percent. Yep. So I think that's a, that's one of the things that we can look at 
positively through all this. And it's going to be a battle. It was never going to be easy for us to sweep through and have the red tsunami. Democrats aren't just going to roll over. They're no, going to fight and fight dirty. They've gone too, please excuse this, too fast, too hard, too fast. No, why, why do I excuse that? It's, they have gone too hard, too fast. And they're they're being exposed. Yeah. But did I miss a dirty joke or something? Yeah, I mean, and just those words and what we're talking about, it's just not necessarily appropriate, but hey, you know. But it's real. It's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. When you look at Nancy Pelosi this weekend saying on Mother's Day, it's disrespectful not to allow women to have abortions. I, I, w- w- right? <laughs> yeah. You're on Mother's Day. And if you try and ask her about it, she'll go, well, I'm the mother of five children in six years. Five and she children says she's years. a Catholic, too. Yeah. The, the papal silence is astounding to me. Well, yeah, because the papal wants it to happen. <laughs> he's a demonic freaking creature. Well, he's also in a wheelchair now because he's got a bad knee or something. I Whatever. don't know what's going on. Yeah. So that infuriated me this weekend, too. Did we talk about Elon Musk's tweet? No, but... um. I've got some stuff on it. Tell people okay. what it is, Mike. Elon Musk tweeted over the weekend, quote, if I die under mysterious circumstances, it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> Which I, when I first read it, I thought, okay, Elon's trolling us again. But he's not, is he? No, he's not. And it's so funny when you said that, you sounded like you were a game show host asking me a question. <laughs> Who said? <laughs> And now for 500, Tracy, we'll get to game show host news because I have some, too. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a couple different schools of thought here. The most obvious one, which means it's probably not the one he's referencing, is he sent Starlink satellites to Ukraine. And apparently the Nazis got their hands on them and are using them. And Elon Musk publicly warned them, you're probably being tracked and they're probably checking your you know, communications or whatever, whatever. And so Russia came out over the weekend, I believe, with a statement that basically threatened Elon Musk. Yeah, and they posted it in Russian. Yes. Uh, Elon posted it uh, yesterday. So he posted the whole thing in Russian. If you want to see it, it's on the Twitters. And uh, it, it, it makes sense to me that Elon Musk would get threatened. Or... And then he- he also followed it up by saying there are no angels in war, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Or uh, there's other threats against his life because he's threatening to completely expose and upend the absolute monstrosity that has become the government run social media organization of the United States. You mean the Twitters? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Um, well, did you see what the um, czar of um, disinformation was saying? <laughs> Over the weekend. Just the, the fact uh, that we're calling someone a czar. <laughs> well, enough with the goddamn czars. <laughs> I wish we could. Could we just stop with the czars <laughs> everywhere? That's all these people. I'm really going to have the czar of this and the czar of that. No, stop with the goddamn czars. <laughs> there aren't any fucking czars. We're the United States of America. <laughs> what is the but definition anyway. of a czar? The czar, uh, uh, well, a person appointed by government to advise on and coordinate policy in a particular area. Well, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, the guy, uh, he was the green job czar. What's his czar? Van Jones. Oh, Van, geez. 
He he was the first czar that really ticked me off. But we had car czars, <laughs> and we, we had all this stuff. But the um, the the head of disinformation for the minister Ministry of Truthiness um, put out a statement this past week where she said uh, that it's really um, conservatives are not being blocked oh. on Twitter. Oh my god. No, you you missed. I I take it you missed that statement. <laughs> you you you're honest honest with me. You didn't see her say that. No, where am I going to see her? I'm not on Twitter. Okay. Oh, I forgot. I thought you had like a sneaky. Which is like so so funny. So here's the here's the minister of truthiness. Uh, this past weekend. There's already this idea, this allegation <clears throat> that there is anti-conservative bias on the platforms, even though there has been study after study proving, in fact, that often it's liberal voices oh. that are being silenced, particularly minority voices. Shut up! Yeah, so I think we're going to see more allegations of that. There's already... So, yeah, the Minister of Truthiness has told us that it's not conservatives being squashed, it's liberals. And it's not just liberals, it's minority. Minorities. Or as Archie Bunker would say, your minorities there who are being uh, squelched. I can't be on Twitter, but they're straight up porn and pedophilia on that platform. Yeah. But I can't be on it. Think about that. For it's, a second. it's insane. I was it's absolutely insane. doing an interview the other day with, uh, with somebody. And they asked me about my ban or whatever. And they asked me what I was banned from. And I, I used examples that have happened to me in real life. Like where one of my daughter's friends will be like, oh, hey, are you on Facebook? We've got a group for this activity we're doing. And I have to say, no, I'm banned from Facebook. Or, oh, we're going out to lunch. Let me PayPal you my share. And I have to say, I'm banned from PayPal. You should just put a list of things you're not banned from. You know me really well now. I would say we knew each other pretty well before, but now you, you, you know, you've worked with me for two months. Yes. Be honest. Do I, am I a misinformation purveyor? Um, let me think. No. <laughs> am Never. I a QAnon conspiracy theorist, Mike? Oh no. I think you'd rather take out your appendix with a warm spoon <laughs> than be involved with misinformation or QAnon. Okay. So, you know, oh, <laughs> oh uh, while you're while you're sighing and venting your spleen there, um, there there was because you don't have libs of TikTok because you're not on the Twitters. Um, there was one I, I if I were running for office, this would be the ad I would use as relates to uh, the argument from the left about abortion. This would be the 11 second clip I would put. I would have my name. I'd say Michael Pelka for Congress. If you want Michael Pelka in Congress, you have to vote for him. Otherwise, you're going to get people like this. Ladies, if you get pregnant, run on down to the abortion clinic and have that little bastard Did you hear that? Could you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. These people are evil demons. I, that's what I said. I said, this is demonic. It's now, um, if you listen to that voice... Um, I think this is someone we know. Really? Yeah. And it just hit me now. Um, a couple of years ago at the White House Correspondents Dinner, they had that comedian, female comedian host it. 
and she was talking about cheering on your abortion. Oh, I swear to God, That's this hard. is her voice. Ladies, if you get pregnant, run on down to the abortion clinic yeah. and have that little bastard suck my God. The ghoulish cheering. I, I, and it, but I, I wonder if this is that comic, that, that woman. I just have to no, say, not. Kirsten yeah. Gillibrand is all over television whining and bitching about women's health care, right? And, and freaking in New York, there is not going to be a vote to overturn crap where this was happening. Wasn't that New York? Yeah. Well, she's from New York. Oh, this, this yeah. event? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it was, yes. <sighs> my my husband showed it to me. It was on Instagram. Well, Kirsten Gillibrand, interesting story. Uh, well, at least to me it was. I ended up riding with her on the train from D.C. to New York one weekend when, when I was working at The Blaze. And I sat with her and three of uh, two of her staff members. And uh, we, we had a pretty decent talk. This was about four years ago. And um, I said we're on different sides of the aisle, very different sides of the aisle. But I was impressed the way she treated her staff. But now watching her speak last week when uh, they had that little um, that little staged event, uh-huh. um, she has gone totally off the beam, has no flexibility in her. She is totally into the uh, the Pelosi pit and the Schumer pit. I and- did a ton of research on her. In 2016, or maybe it was 2020, and all of her connections and who she's, quote, in bed with and her interactions with Hillary Clinton and what that relationship was. And she is terrible, terrible. Well, I'm with you on that. I know we're almost out of time, but um, something happened today, this morning on CNN that I would like to point out. Yes, please. Um, and you know, the new head of CNN, the new president of CNN has said he thinks the morning show stinks and he'd like to have something in there that doesn't stink. Uh, and he's going to have to work hard to overcome that. But frankly, a blank screen would be better. I'll go on uh, they CNN. Had, they had a, um, uh, a person speaking about Joe Biden talking about lowering the deficit. Remember, he keeps saying these radical extreme Republicans want to tax you, which they don't. He lied about that. The uh, proposal he was referencing was from one senator, and McConnell said it's never going to get a vote, ever. But um, this this must be like the, the earth must be twisting somehow. We're going to, it may be Mercury's in retrograde, but this guy was talking about Biden basically lying about deficit reductions. Going on with the budget. So here are the facts. There is no doubt that the deficit has fallen under President Biden so far. It was about $3.1 trillion under President Trump in fiscal 2020. It was about $360 billion lower than that. So about $2.8 trillion in fiscal 2021, mostly under President Biden. So, OK, this is Daniel Dale, who's a CNN reporter, saying that, yes, based on the facts, the deficit has gone down over fiscal 2020, fiscal 21 by $300 billion, whatever it is. But here's where it gets really, well, brilliant. 
But even with that $360 billion decline, Brianna, experts I spoke to still scoffed at the idea that President Biden is personally responsible for having reduced the deficit. In fact, one advocate of deficit reduction, Mark Goldwine of the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, told me that this claim is almost bizarro world, a reversal of reality. Why? Well, because the deficit was expected to fall by more than $360 billion at the time President Biden took office. In fact, at the time, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office had projected that the deficit would fall by more than $870 billion in 2021. If So the prediction from the nonpartisan, um, whatever, Congressional Budget Office. Yeah, OMB. Was- Fall by $800 billion. Joe's managed to cut a half a trillion dollars off of that. Wow. And spend more. Why, if, you're, if you're a conservative, why aren't you screaming about this? This happened on CNN. This guy will never be allowed to talk on camera again. You know, I wanted to um, bring up um, what Jen Psaki said. Peppermint commie, as Kane likes to call her, from the weekend where somebody said, you know, the president just called uh, half the country extremists and Jen Psaki responded. Um, the president will continue to call the side that doesn't agree with him extremist. Do you not have okay. that clip? I, I I think was that when she was on Fox? I, I could I didn't pull it. I don't I don't I don't know where it was. I don't remember. But I'm, I'm only bringing it up now because. Soon, these CNN people who are putting out polls that don't show Biden in any shape at all whatsoever and that are acknowledging that this abortion issue didn't move the needle at all. It really didn't, Mike. It didn't move the needle at all. Um, They're going to also be considered extremists soon until there's only three percent of these people left, which would be tranny, blue haired, crazy people who will turn on each other in five seconds once somebody wants to claim privilege over somebody else. You are 100 percent correct. But you got to remember, everybody at CNN will be getting the first word from the wife of a CNN anchor. Who? Uh, Corinne, the new press secretary, is married a CNN anchor. That's that's fine. There's no worries with that. The same way that there was a spy inside a freaking Pence's uh, office. Same way. Okay. I'll, I'll allow it, but I have to go. I hate to say it. That's so fine. Much. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with... The very happy Mike Opelka and... Yay, we did it! And Beans! You can find us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Until Wednesday. Thanks. (laughs) They can skate over 25 miles an hour. They shoot a puck over 100 miles an hour, and when they collide... It will rock you to your core. It's fast. It's furious. It's the NHL playoffs. And while a few select teams chase down the glory of winning Lord Stanley's Cup, the rest of the hockey world is heading into the offseason. Are there crucial aspects of performance hockey players should be considering during the offseason? You bet there is. And much of this depends on your age, your level of play, game experience, and where your hockey dreams are pointing you. On this week's episode of Crush Performance, we're joined by Barry Butt, the founder of Premier Strength, one of the most successful player development programs in the game of hockey. Join us as we discuss strategies we seriously feel you need to consider if you want to raise your potential and your value as a player. 
hockey players. Own your offseason. We'll tell you how on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.